Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So today we have with us Malika Malhotra, a brand CEO who has the brand strategy and mentorship business to help ambitious female entrepreneurs to empower themselves and unlock their strengths and their skills and leverage them into their zone of genius to become the go-to expert in their industry. Fantastic. Malika, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, you're so, so welcome. Hey, can you expand a bit more on, you know, where are you today with your business and who is it that you love to work with? Sure. Thank you. So I have been an entrepreneur for 20 years, which is hard to believe. I've been in the branding space for over 10 years, did brand photography, moved into brand strategy, and now spent a lot of time doing brand mentorship. So working Mm -hmm. with female entrepreneurs many who are subject matter experts, uh, mostly in service-based. So we're talking coaches, designers, photographers, um, and they're mostly in these saturated markets, right? So it's so Mm -hmm. hard to because there's so many people that might be doing the same thing that you're doing. And so they come to me because they want to be the leader. They want to be the go-to, but they just don't know how to get there. So what we do together is we really try to refine their niche or discover their niche, right? That power niche that's going to differentiate them. Then we work on their messaging to see how can they really create a compelling story that's going to attract people. And then we look at things like their offer or their signature talk or their framework, all pieces that are going to just elevate the brand as well. So when when your clients come to to you, is there like some, some... Beliefs that they have, or some education that they've they've been given, which is actually not really serving them. What is it that you have to kind of pick up the pieces and be like, "You thought you knew this? Oh my gosh! No, no, no! Here's here's how we can really help you." What would that be? That if you shared with us today, it might sort of help a lot of people get over that sort of first hurdle. Oh yeah. So the first one is really like, I am multi passionate, and I want to do all of the things, and I want to have all of the offers to all of the different target markets because. I'm afraid to say no to everyone. And that really is a tough place to be in because Mm -hmm. we don't have the time and the resources and the energy to serve all of the people. And honestly, more is not always an effective strategy. So instead, what I try to tell them is to go narrow, right? To really assess and do an audit of your skill sets to identify what are you an expert in? Look at all of the clients that you've served and figure out who are you best meant to serve? Because Mm -hmm. honestly, we're not meant to work with everyone. 
and look at what people are coming to you for. Do you have you know, a unique value proposition or a superpower that people associate your name with over and over again? And those are all the breadcrumbs that are gonna help you start defining that niche. So now, instead of a Jane of all trades, you have become a specialist or an expert, right? You're not mm. a generalist who's doing all the things, but now it's really focused and you're actually in one area of expertise, you're the go-to and often you can get paid the premium prices because you are the specialist in that industry. Nice, so being, being that person, being that specialist, finding your, your superpower, it sounds like the answers are all kind of within rather than looking externally for everything that you need, everything that you want, you're able to extract this from them because it's, you know your superpower. You know what you want to do. You know who you want to serve. But there is that block that allows us to come out, probably a fear, probably some scarcity or a desire for, but I do, I can help everyone. So therefore I should. What, in that little dance, what is it that you find like time and time again? And maybe do you struggle in one of those areas before you really sort of found your footing? 100%. I mean, that resistance is real. And I also felt it myself probably 10 years ago with my business. I called it the junk drawer phase. So I had a business where I was doing all the things. I had photography. Mm. And even within photography, it was children's photography and teens and headshots and brand photography. I had an Instagram workshop because why not? I was doing brand strategy. But what happens when you're doing all the things is that you're a master of none and people aren't trusting you with your expertise because you're scattered in doing all the things, mm. right? And so, you know, I would have a business person go to my website and see that I was doing teen photography and they would not trust that I was the right person for the job. And they might doubt the price points that I have because mm. I was all over the place with so many different offerings instead of going all in on one area of expertise and claiming that I was the best, the go-to, and then I could charge premium prices. So that junk drawer business really sort of zapped all my energy. It was not sustainable. I was on my way to burnout and it was just confusing to everybody. And I didn't have the confidence then as well. One thing that was it confusing for yourself because isn't it tough to be able to understand, okay, when you speak about what you do, you want to say it all, and then you're trying to find a way or you're trying to speak to a different person and there's a different sort of sell or unique benefits. Did you confuse yourself along that way? You confuse your audience and you confuse yourself because you're wearing multiple hats and no one is going to understand when you're speaking about all these almost micro businesses right? You have multiple micro businesses. And so the target for the brand photography is different than the target for the teen photography is different for the target for the brand strategy. And so mm. all of a sudden had all these plates spinning in the air and no one really understood or trusted me to be the expert. And when I got burned out and when I was feeling just not so great about my business and people were asking and negotiating lower price points and I was sick of that, I decided to do my own assessment of what I was good at, where was I getting paid, what mm. filled my cup and was what I felt passionate about. And I started to curate and cut out the things that weren't working and get very focused and very lean and go all in on the things that were working. 
Um, and when I did that, it was a game changer because then I committed to an area of expertise. How did you start to cull those things? Was it as, as simple as realizing, actually, yeah, damn it, I don't actually enjoy that. Why was I doing that in the first place? Was it a bit of sort of trial and error and have that sort of grace understanding that, hey, I gave that a shot. Turns out I hate it or I love it. What, what was that sort of journey like for you as you kind of you know, waded through? It was like, yeah, I see where, I see where I'm going. Well, it was gradual. So, you know, first looking at offers, offers that weren't selling, immediately taking them off the website, right? And that mm -hmm. already alleviates some of the confusion. You know, a confused mind never buys, right? If you have too many things, people don't know where they fit. So things that weren't selling or didn't fit with my area of expertise or weren't even things I liked anymore, I just took them off. Yeah. And then as I started understanding that I wanted to go into the area of, let's say, brand strategy, really wanted to go all in, I gradually started to take on more clients there and say no to the other clients. So I didn't do it like cold turkey. It was very much a gradual thing so that I could test where I thought I was an expert. I can feel it out and see if it was really something that had legs that resonated with people. And over time, you know, I gave myself a commitment of six months. I'm going to really try to go all in on this and slowly try to do less clients in the other areas and push everyone into this. I'm going to start referring people out. I'm going to start delegating. I'm going to start, you know, catering my pitch to positioning myself to the person that I wanted to be, where I thought my zone of genius was. Mm. And it's when you start communicating it, then people get it, Right. It's when you don't start talking about it or when you're just talking about too many things, that's where the confusion is. But if you slowly start to pare it down and you commit to it and you start showing up in the area that you are an expert in, in the area you want to be a specialist in and start talking about it, you'll start attracting those clients. So mm -hmm. it's not magic. It's just kind of you know logic more of when you decide what is the right path to be and you commit to it and you start crafting your communications around it, of course, you're going to resonate with the people that want that. Yeah. I'm going to challenge you there. It's, it is a little bit of magic. There's a little bit of woo that goes into this that is you can't actually work out what's going on. We've seen the, the experience. You've seen the results, but there's no direct correlation apart from a bit of magic, a little bit of woo. There's also the science and the common sense behind it. Oh my gosh. So I think take into account everything. It's kind of beautiful the way this does shift. But let's talk about, let's talk about the sort of the fears, kind of the scarcity around that, because as you were referring people away, as you started to say no to different um, clients that you know, they're not the right people for me anymore. This isn't quite right. Then obviously business is about making money and revenue. So it's also about freedom. I know that all the time, absolutely. But the revenue plays a part. So what was it like as you kind of maybe battle those inner demons where you knew it was the right path? Logically, you got it. You've actually seen the results of this, but still, oh, there's that little feeling. What was that like? Yeah. I mean, it's hard. You're saying no to money, right? People are saying, I want to pay you for photography. I, I have my wallet open. And you're saying, actually, I'm not taking clients anymore. And I'm going to refer to someone else. It is very scary. And sometimes you have to do some of the jobs to make sure that you're staying afloat. And like I said, it's a gradual process. Mm -hmm. But 
you are going to stay stuck if you continue to say yes to the clients and to the jobs that don't fill your cup or, or allow you to be in that area of genius. Mm. So you kind of have to get through the fear, push through the fear and know that there's going to be a breakthrough on the other end, at least commit to the time frame that you've given yourself. And then if in six months, you're finding that it's still not working, you have to reassess, reevaluate. Is the marketplace not ready for this niche? Is the demand not high enough? Are you not articulating the promise and the value well enough? What is Ooh, not that's beautifully put. What, but with that, what is the what is the time frame that you put on those those things? Because is it? I will know this answer within a couple of days. Is it? No, this is this is a good month or so to be able to really extract that. What was it like as you were in it? Because crumbs, we're kind of we're all conditioned right now. We want instant success. We want instant feedback. We need the hacks, the best strategies. That they'll change your life in a you know, two seconds. Realistically. Yeah, changing our, our frequency as a human to allow people to come in, it, it kind of needs a little bit of time. So were there some things that were almost instant for you and other things were like, yeah, it just took a while. Yeah. I mean, what, sometimes what was instant for me was if I were at a networking event and I was introducing myself with this more refined niche, that the clarity of it would get people's interest. They would understand it, right? And they would yeah. say immediately, oh my gosh, I know someone exactly who I can refer you to because what you're telling me now is so clear. I know what you're a specialist in. I know who your audience is. I know why you're different. I know you have you solved the problem. So it becomes instantly memorable, referable, right? So mm -hmm. that power was more instant. But the client attraction, right? Like actually getting people that come in in this new niche, that takes a little bit of time because you need to build momentum around it, right? You need to get yourself out there. You need to create content that's in alignment with the new niche. You have to be speaking and showing up. Mm -hmm. uh, so all the things have to kind of be a part of the process. I always say you need a good six months to commit to see things start to change. It's like that big, you know, ship that all of a sudden you're in one way and now you, you're, you want to move it. It takes time and you have to be consistent and you have to have clarity and you have to have confidence around it. You have to know that you're going all in because people feel that energy. Yeah. And belief, just to believe, trust. Oh my Gosh, that's huge. So, okay, we're talking a lot about, okay, the, the transition, the, the the way to go through it. Let's talk about circles. Let's talk about the circles that, that you're within that have actually helped you and, and sort of guided you. Because the world of a solopreneur, oh my gosh, it can be, it can be so, so lonely. Um, yeah. What is it that you found was in those transitions, whether there was sort of one transition, whether there's a couple of sort of mini transitions along the way, what was it that that did fuel you, that did keep you going, that was there to support you? What, what, were, what were they for you? Yeah, I'm a big proponent of having a circle around you to support you because, as you said, entrepreneurship is lonely. You could be in your own head and talk yourself out of things um, and then look around the marketplace and see other people and think that they're doing better than you. They're more successful than you, right? Mm -hmm. So I have always been part of women's networking groups. I've always you know, been part of that circle where you have your cheerleaders around you, supporting you, hearing, you know, what you're going through, but I've also invested having a coach or a mentor, being part of memberships or masterminds where you're actually getting, you know, your own expert in your back pocket, 
guiding you, helping you strategically, helping you with mm -hmm. mindset, right? Helping you sharing experiences so that you have shortcuts so that you're avoiding mistakes and, you know, wasting money along the way, um, you know, to brainstorm ideas. It's so hard. Like, you know, we might have spouses or kids or friends, but they don't get it. They don't get what we are going through as being like the, you know, solo owner of our business. Yeah. Um, so surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded, that can offer you good advice and be that like board of directors that are in it with you is so mm. important. I'm going to put in a spot here then. You don't have to name, but what was, what would you say was the one thing in that sort of aspect that, that was the game changer for you? In terms of what? In the terms circles? of circles. In terms of whether it was you know, uh, someone external that you never met, but you were always around and seeing them, whether it was a mentor or a coach, whether it was a community or a network, whether it was just a circle of people going through the exact same thing as you. What was maybe the one thing saying above all? They're all great. They all helped. But this one, oh my gosh, this one would be the one I wouldn't change for the world. I have to say the one circle that was a real game changer for me in my entrepreneurial journey was one where I paid a significant amount of money, like a $10,000 a year, which was scary mm -hmm. as hell. But what that did was meant that I was in it to win it because I made, you know, when you pay, you pay attention, right? And the people that that attracted were such at a high level that what mm -hmm. I learned from them, that motivation, that inspiration was very different than a membership I may have been in for like $49, right? So that circle was like a big, you know, I was going from a one-to-one -one photography sort of business model. And then once I was in that container with all mm -hmm. of these sort of people that were investing as well in their businesses, I was able to sort of grow and break through to like offering group programs, seeing myself in a different way because mm -hmm. I was by people who are also doing the work that I wanted to be doing. Um, so for a long time, I was just a photographer. And then once I joined this group, I was able to see myself as a strategist, as a mentor. And that was a big deal because I'd always been a photographer and having that identity crisis, you know, of like, how can I be anything else? But it allowed me, go ahead. Was it showing you what's, what's possible? Was it yeah. showing you the potential within yourself that then you saw it mirrored back with other women who were, maybe a couple of steps ahead of you or sod it. They were so far ahead. You're like, oh my gosh, this is what's possible. Yes. Was that the, the inspiration for you? A big part of what's possible. This is so scary, but they're doing it. And they have success that I'm hoping to get. Mm. And they're sharing their experience with me because we are locking arms as like sisters in this circle, right? It's not yeah. like, you know, if they can, this mentality and spirit, if they can do it, you can do it too. Um, and, and, you know, you get that in a lot of groups, but there was an intensity and an energy that was different. And I think honestly, it was because of the price point when people paid that much money, mm. it was the expectations were high. The vibe was high. Um, and I never missed a call in that group. I'll tell you that that was one that I was definitely highly invested in. Yeah, you you pay 47 bucks, you're going to be like, oh, I can miss this one. It's going to be okay. The perceived values there. So I guess you can have all the coaching in the world, but your experience through this, has this been a guiding force as you've sort of grown into you know, 
your mastermind into the mentorship that you do and it's kind of fueled and you've seen that whilst there is a how can I get more how can I help more people how can I allow more people in there is a you have your boundaries you have your place and that is the guiding the guiding force for you yeah and I think anytime you invest in programs, you see how people run them, right? And you're taking notes, you're learning about how you may or may not want to run your own program. Mm. Uh, so it's very, I think it's very beneficial to be a student while you are a mentor or coach, because you're learning so many things personally, and then you might, you know, transfer that to how you want the experience to be in your own container. Yeah, and this journey as an entrepreneur, you, you can't help but go through a personal development journey. It's, oh my gosh, it's almost non-negotiable, the changes you see in yourself. So as you've gone through this, different circles, different containers, leveling up your business, what has it been like for you personally as you've, you've seen the change with yourself? What have you been able to like overcome that maybe you never thought you could? And what's the next challenge? You're like, oh, crumbs, this is, this is my next Everest. What, what are they? Yeah, I think mindset is a big thing. You know, I'm very strategic, I'm very results oriented, but the mindset I've learned is such a big piece of this, right? Like allowing yourself, strengthening their mind and allowing yourself to dream big, to see things differently, right? It's not just about getting your to-do list done. It's about becoming the person that you know you need to be and mm. see who that person is and as even if it's uncomfortable, making steps in your business to get you there closer. Mm. Um, that's been a big part of what I, I, and I continue to have to work on that, that mindset piece, you know, um, knowing that because I'm so action oriented and feeling like if I work hard, that hustle mentality, you know, that that's the only way to get success. And it's not like having to rewire my mindset that says that, you can have space, you can take time, you don't have to work all the time 24 seven. And sometimes success can unfold in new or different ways. And so I'm always trying to challenge myself, you know, and, and again, leaning on my coaches and my mentors to poke holes in my mindset to make mm -hmm. me see things that I, and like rewire the way that I've been doing business. Um, and it's hard, it's hard, you know, it's like, I'm 50 years old. And so like you do things a certain way and to be able to like open your mind to new ways and to keep yourself open to, um, new experiences is not always easy. So you said you like to pick holes. Is it, is it you leading the way with your, with these conversations to be able to see what is it? Why is this not working for me? Why am I maybe not doing the things that I need to do, or why am I just so nervous about this? Is, is, is this, are you taking the lead where I can see this? I just don't know what to do about it. Or yeah. is it more guided through, Hey, look at the situation, look at the scenario. So where, where is that like for you? Yeah. I think as I've become more experienced in my business, it's really me that is seeing some of these things and asking for that help. I don't mm. think I asked for help before, maybe 10 years ago. It was a little bit harder. You feel like you can do everything on your own. But yeah. now I've learned to ask for help. Now I've learned to be open to different ways of thinking, different approaches. 
Um, so I think I'm guiding that a little bit more right now. Mm. Beautifully put. I love that because we, again, it's another transition for you. You're a different business owner than you were years ago. Yep. It's a beautiful evolution. So we all grow from phases and at any given point, we're still slap bag in the middle of a transition. We are always just before we are that next level CEO, business owner, partner, human, whatever <laughs> it might be. There's always that fun and games. So with if you can sort of just tie a little bow in this, what is it like as for you in your personal life? Because obviously business and personal life, oh my gosh, they, they can merge so, so quickly. How have you been able to try and maybe keep that, the, the, the areas slightly separate? And where is it that it's like, it's, it's still tough even now, even though you've seen the good and the bad? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I have three children. I have a home and a husband and, you know, everything sort of bleeds into each other sometimes. I think now that my kids are a little bit older, it definitely helps. But, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, even when they were young and you would work in the fringe moments during nap times and early morning, mm. do your best to like try to get the work done. Um, and it's hard because it's just 24 seven and there's no boundaries. But I think, again, as you get more experience, you try to really figure out how you can try to balance it better. It's not going to be perfect and you have to accept the imperfect, right? The chaos. And when you can accept that, I think you can see the beauty of it all and how it can unravel, right? And, you know, making decisions for yourself that help you live the life that you want and run the business that you want. And so, mm -hmm. you know, for me right now, personally, I have two sons that are going to college and I intentionally designed my summer to take some time off of work. So I have, you know, my mastermind launches in the beginning of the year and in the fall. And so intentionally for the first time, I have opened up my summer to not have client work. Will I be working in the business? Sure. I'll be thinking about the business, probably planning about the business, but not like, you know, the client Zoom calls, those things that kind mm -hmm. of tie you to your calendar. And it's very uncomfortable, not... <laughs> having all of those things that keep you in the business. I worry sometimes about the momentum and the traction. Am I going to like break things, you know, that kind of pace that I've kept. Mm. Uh, but I do, again, trust the process, right? Strengthen the mindset, think differently about the business, about, you know, I need to maybe do different things in order to get different results. And maybe yeah. taking the summer to slow down the spaciousness will allow me to think differently about my business. Maybe I'll have the best, mm -hmm. most creative ideas happen this summer, right? Um, as well as just enjoy my family and yeah. enjoy the moments that I have right now with my family. Um, so it's always a constant struggle, I think, because we can never turn this off when you're an entrepreneur, but I'm trying I'm, and I'm, you know, planned my summer to be more open and we'll see how it unfolds. I'll report back to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it'll be incredible to come back and be like, yeah. So when you were in play mode, when you were enjoying your personal life, strange how inspiration and these thoughts and things seem to open up even more. So there is, but there's also managing ourselves in the moment to be able to be in a position so that we can enjoy that without, look, I've got no work. Look, I'm with my family, but, and then it's less about the mental. It's more about the physical. 
So you've got our nervous system, our brainwaves, the neurochemicals going crazy. So as much as we look at the mental, the thoughts, the stories, the promises, the duality, we have to look at the body, everything physical as well, else it's going to be slightly lopsided. So how are you looking at managing yourself through this in the moment when these things pop up? Yeah, I can imagine the stress that I will feel, but you're right. It is like, how can you control that stress and take a deep breath or meditate or take a walk or have movement or exercise or be in the sunshine, go to the water, look at the ocean, right? All those things I feel like are going to help me be able to take a breath and Mm. just sort of celebrate the moment. And, you know, to be honest, like the work will always be there. So I should just, you know, remind myself that these moments with your family at this time are not always yeah. going to be there. And so yeah. the work will always be there um, when I mm. get back. Beautiful. Love that. The stress, the hustle, the grind, it's always going to be there. It's always there if you want it. I'm not sure many people actually do want it, but really it, it does come down to a choice. It's yes. tough as that sounds. So, hey, look, thank you so much for sharing you know, behind the scenes of your business and how you help so many people to oh, be able to find their zone of genius and their power and just simplifying their business as you simplify yours. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Oh, you're so, so welcome. Look, if you want to find out more about, about you and the amazing work that you do, where can they find you? Yes. Well, you can come visit my website, which is malikamalhotra.co, or I love Instagram. Come find me there. My handle is at malikamalhotra.co. Awesome. Well, everyone go check that out. And thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much too. You're welcome. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? Uh, We ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their (laughs) earballs. All the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. (laughs) See you next time. Bye.